it's not so much the what, it's kind of the why behind it. Like, why do I really want to share that? Hey everyone, today's guest, Natalie Kavoric, comes from a multi-generational ranching background, raised in Montana and is now living in Nebraska with their husband and they started a ranch of their own. We got to chat about everything from the nuances of generational ranching to some of the details that most consumers may not know about the beef life cycle to why breaking down your why to a very raw place is so damn important. And I hope y'all enjoy. I am Natalie Kavoric. And I like to say that I am a rancher's daughter turned ranch wife turned ranch mom. So I was born in agriculture. I actually grew up in southwest Montana um, on a Hereford operation there. And then I am now in Nebraska with my husband. So when I met and married him, I relocated to here. And we uh, ranch here in central Nebraska. And then on top of that, I'm kind of just sharing my ranching and family journey. So you said you were a rancher's daughter so are you like second generation ranching or fourth so my yes so my great-grandfather um bought the original homestead in southwest montana and we've been in that same area we've obviously expanded through each generation from my grandpa to my dad and then i have two sisters who are back on the ranch now with my father so four generations deep i think it was um early 1900s that the first little acreage was purchased where we are you do educational speaking you come on podcasts like this what do you what do you like to talk about when you do that it's a mel i feel like i'm like a mary poppins bag you're just like gonna pull something out new each time i'm not really sure like if i have a a means to to what i do i originally got online um uh Dear childhood friend and mine started a, we wanted to start a ranch direct beef business. Kind of my first exposure to being on social media and sharing um, about, I'd obviously been on it for personal reasons long before that, but um, that was kind of my first exposure to being on it for like, you know, an actual true purpose. Um, And that was a business venture for the, for our direct beef business. And, and through that, we kind of learned to share more about the industry in general and do a little bit of advocacy and, and I kind of just got for a taste a taste of it then, and I actually ended up stepping away from that uh, business earlier this year, back in April, um, and just started sharing solely on my page. And I feel like since I've done that, I've kind of, um, I guess I also started YouTube then and, and do a lot of sharing there. Since I started that, I've kind of just been trying to, I guess, share parts of me online. And so with that, you get lots of different things. Like you mentioned, I talk a lot about, you know, agriculture advocacy and just try and share, you know, facts about different parts of the industry that maybe people aren't exposed to and, you know, just different myths or whatnot about agriculture. And then I also just share a lot about our family and a lot about what we do on our ranch. Here, my husband and I were pretty diversified because even though, like I said, I'm a fourth generation rancher and he grew up technically fifth generation through his mother's side, our operation that we run is pretty much first generation. He started a lot of it from the ground up. And so ranching isn't cheap. <laughs> There's big bills that come with it. So in order to pay those off, we're, we're involved in a lot of different aspects. And so uh, it's kind of nice because I have a lot of different things that I can share about um, that we do here on the ranch that is, I, I guess, the average consumer wouldn't, wouldn't be exposed to or see. And so I just do, like I said, I just kind of, I guess, share a lot of about me and 
and how I see and feel about agriculture. And, and I think that comes out in a lot of different ways on my different pages. So you make a really interesting distinction between like about like the generational ranching, because I had always assumed and I don't come from like a super ranch heavy background, but I'd always assumed that like, okay, if someone says they're fourth or fifth generation, it never occurred to me that like some of the stuff would be like inherited stuff like the land or the cattle, whereas like a first generation rancher is buying all of that on their own. So that's a really interesting distinction that I don't think I've ever heard anybody make before. Yeah, yep. Usually, I mean, that's how ranches are usually, because it is so expensive to to purchase land and run cattle, that's usually how ranches are sustained is, you know, passing from one generation to the next, um, because it keeps that cost down for obviously the next generation to, to be able to continue the lifestyle. And so, yeah, usually, I mean, there's obviously, it's, a, it's not a one you know, a statement you can apply to everything, but usually, you know, the deeper someone is in in the ranching industry, as far as generation wise, that it's it's been passed on from that generation to generation. That's just super interesting. I never thought about it. <laughs> you said you guys do some stuff that like the average consumer wouldn't really think about. And so you like to share that type of stuff on your platforms. Uh, what's an example of that? I think, um, so the heart of our operation is cow-calf. And I think that well, I think that the average consumer probably to even take a, I guess, a step back further. Um, there are like three different sectors of the beef industry, maybe four, I guess, kind of depending on how you look at it. Um, and I, I guess I don't think the average consumer would recognize those distinctions. I think they just, the life cycle of the beef plate is a little bit more complicated, I think, than if you're not a part of the industry. And so um, it usually starts out at the cow-calf part of it, which is, which we have, and that is when you're raising, you know, you're just raising cattle out on out on pasture. So it's the mama's raising the babies and you maintain a, a herd of females um, to continue to reproduce. And then you sell off the animals that will eventually head to the feedlot, which would be considered like, I guess, typically like the, the second portion of the beef industry. And that is where a lot of the cattle are then like finished or fattened right before they're going to hit market. And then there's also a third part, which would be the registered part of the industry. And and that is when a rancher basically maintains a herd for genetics. So other people in the ranching industry will buy those cattle from the rancher to breed into their own herd, Um, you know, use those genetics, whether it's from a bull or a cow. And then there's probably, I guess you consider like a fourth of just a bunch of different kind of things that ranchers do. We do backgrounding, which is kind of a, a phase in between the cow-calf and the feedlot. We do AI, which isn't a, that's, so that's artificial insemination. That's the breeding of the cattle. That, I, I wouldn't consider that a sector of the industry, but it's something that, you know, the consumer wouldn't be familiar with. And, and so we actually have all of that on our ranch. So the heart of our operation is cow-calf. That's what my husband has done the longest. It's what he came back um, from graduate school and started with his cow-calf herd. And then we recently just started our own uh, registered herd of Angus cattle. And so we have we have the registered component. And then we do the background, which I said is kind of like an intermediate phase between cow, you know, the cow-calf part and the, the feedlot. And then we also have our the artificial insemination, the AI business. So the only part we're not, we don't really have our hand in is is we don't run our own a feedlot or anything like that. Okay, yeah, that I told you it's very, very <laughs> confusing and it's 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 a lot. And I try, I guess that's one of the things I try and do on my page is kind of break all of those things down so that people understand what it takes to, you know, get a from pasture to plate 
and that a lot of different hands are involved, a lot of different families are involved, a lot of different, you know, ranches are involved. And so I, I think the consumers probably think, you know, the, the animal starts on one ranch and ends on one ranch and, you know, somehow ends up in the grocery store or on their plate at the restaurant. And, and um, it, there's just so much more that's involved, in, but it's a very, very complex process. So I guess that's one of the things I try and share a little bit on my page is about those all of that different, the complexity, I guess, of the beef cycle, because it is so complex and there are so many different hands that are involved, um, you know, families that are involved, different operations that are involved. And I try and, I guess, break that down um, in the best way that's most, you know, easily understood because it is so complex. And I think, you know, I'm a part of the industry and sometimes there's things that I don't even fully you know, understand about it. And so I try and just share that in a more friendly way because it is, like I said, it is so complex. And, and I think it might in fact be one of the most um, complex of the of the whole food industry is the the beef cycle. I think I was talking, you know, I was talking to um, Brandy Buzzard a few weeks ago. It might've been about a month ago. Um, and she was on an episode awesome. and I love her. She was so great to talk to you. But she yeah. was like, I really want to focus on like helping people be like confident in knowing where their food comes from because it is complicated or it is hard if you, especially if you didn't grow up in the industry or grow up somewhere where there was a lot of agriculture. If you grew up in the city, you're just like, okay, it just appears at the store, but you don't maybe don't have the resources to dig deeper than that to find out where it really comes from. Yeah. I mean, I sympathize and empathize for anyone who isn't exposed to agriculture um, and trying to understand about where their food comes from, because it is hard being removed from it. And I, I feel very fortunate that I was exposed, so I do understand it. And and I really get it because, I, I mean, even in Montana, I grew up around agriculture and I grew up on a ranch, but like feedlots aren't big, you know, in Montana. And so I knew very little about the feedlot industry and, and I grew up in agriculture. So I completely understand how someone who was com- like, you know, 100% removed, who is completely raised in an urban setting, has questions about where their food comes from. Because if you don't have that exposure, you know, it's really hard to to understand it and, and get the, you know, like you said, the information that you need to. And yeah, and it, I feel like particularly if you don't know any like ranchers or anything, a lot of bigger like the industry titans maybe don't have that information like readily available to consumers whereas you guys like you guys produce beef so someone can reach out to you directly and be like hey can you answer this question you're like yeah but if someone doesn't know they can do that then they don't know (laughs) yeah and that's honestly like I think why social media is the agriculture's biggest friend right now if we're using it right and properly is because it does give us that connection to you know the people that have the questions I love I feel like people are really timid and and because the I get questions from followers I have that are outside of the industry and I they always preface it with like sorry stupid question or you know sorry can you please explain and and I feel like they feel like they're almost like a hassle or something and I love it I'm like please 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 ask like I am you know straight from the horse's mouth like I will give you, you know, exactly what you want to hear. I love that you're asking. And and so I feel social media is a great tool for that. Um, and I, I hope we're doing our part to to make them feel comfortable and being able to ask us, you know, the ranchers and the farmers directly. Yeah, part of why I really wanted to do this podcast and why I chose podcasting as a platform is because 
I mean, I don't know. I don't know a lot. And I have a fiance who grew up in the ranching industry. I grew up in a, you know, a valley in Northern California where ranching and agriculture were a big part of the culture there. And I don't have all the answers. And I know I certainly have friends and family who don't have any of the answers. So I want to be able to bring on people who do have more answers and educate everybody and then maybe, you know, drum up business for some of those people who are willing to come on and share that with everybody. That's awesome that you're doing it. I mean, I've always, I've heard um, Kaya Twistleman, I don't know if you're familiar with her, but I heard her once mm-hmm. say that it takes all kinds of kinds to advocate and, and share our story. And I completely agree. It takes people like me who are on the ranch and it takes people like you who are, you know, not raised on one. And we're all sharing in different ways, but we all need to to be doing our little role, um, you know, coming together to do it. So it's awesome. I'm grateful that you're you're doing this so that people like me and Brandy and, you know, everyone else can, can share our stories. I'm grateful that you guys are willing to, like, come on and talk because there was times recently where people didn't want to do that across a lot of different industries. <clears throat> so you said that, it was like, you'll get people who reach out and are like, hey, this might be a dumb question, but... And then they ask the question, what are some of like the questions you get most frequently that people think are maybe dumb, but are actually like super important or that are very common? A lot of them are stem from things I show in my stories. So I pretty much bring my followers along for choring every single day. Um, and, and like I said, we do a lot of different things. So like the other day we're getting ready to sell our registered herd. And in order to do that, you have like an auction and you make like a sale catalog. So you'll take pictures of the bulls and you'll take videos of the bulls so that, you know, your customers who are going to buy them can look at them ahead of time and study them. And, um, so it's kind of a whole process. And, And to do that, you usually trim or clip the bulls, you know, you, it'd be like a, person getting a haircut for their interview you know you just want to look nice and and a lot of people have never seen that you know so we got I got questions about that and like when we're out doing salt like giving cattle salt and mineral they'll ask about that or if we're particularly about AI Luke does he sells he sells semen for artificial insemination and then he actually goes out and is a, a does the manual labor behind it and so I'll share about that and we'll get questions about that so a lot of the questions I get are just stem from different things I am showing in our stories and like I said it is a variety of things because I pretty much bring people along every single day and uh, we had I got a lot of questions about show cattle my my oldest son who was a freshman um, showed cattle this past year and is going to continue to do so and and, and so there was a lot of questions about that because that's just something that, um, again, and a person who is removed from the industry wouldn't know about. And even people who are in it don't um, unless you kind of grow up around, you know, showing and stuff. So a lot of those questions are just stem from my stories. I gotcha. I haven't been following you that long. So and I don't I'm real bad about actually going to Instagram and watching people's stories. So speaking of social media and you said, you know, that you think that it's a wonderful tool for individuals and smaller operations to like kind of showcase what they're doing or answer questions how this is this is like such a weird question to ask so when we were living on the ranch it was like so much of the working part we would just like forget to like take pictures or videos or stuff like that how do you like how do you just like make sure you're adequately doing all the job stuff you need to do but you also get to bring like social media into it how do you do that? Yeah, it's hard. It was a lot harder to begin with when my husband wasn't as comfortable with it. But now 
he is. And so I, spe- I guess specifically thinking of YouTube, um, he's a lot better. When I started out filming, it was a lot of me trying to get him to talk over while he was working to try and make it work. And now he's a little bit better about pausing and just like explaining things or talking and then, and then, you know, continuing on with the chore. And so it just took some adjustment and a lot of persistence on my end. Um, I think it helps that there are a couple of us always working, you know, so it's usually me and my husband out together. And usually I'm storing things that aren't super intense where I am not not like a hundred percent a part of the work that's going on. Um, or if I am, I'm able to kind of, you know, piece it together. So I'll kind of take my clips while we're out doing something and then I won't load them to stories till later. Um, or just little things like that, that I've kind of figured out a way around. If I have to truly like 100% work, usually I just don't share it. I mean, we have enough going on here that I could share something later going on on the ranch in my stories. And so I usually try and pick a time to share that's a little bit more of a leisure activity where, you know, maybe I'm accompanying my husband um, and not doing a ton of the work and he's just doing some of it. Or like I said, if if it is where I'm like having to really, really work, um, I'll kind of just do quick videos while I'm out there. I'll grab grab them, save them to my phone, and then I upload them to stories later when I have time, like when I'm sitting on the couch at night or something. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I was like, because I, when we were there, I would like try to do it, and like, you know, we don't have service anywhere on the ranch, so that's really fun, but I would like try to remember to do it, and then the whole day passed, I'd be like, shit, I forgot. <laughs> yeah, I've also just been doing it for so long, it's kind of like second nature me to me now to like have my phone out ready to record things so <laughs> it's like my sixth reflex or something you work closely with like other brands and stuff so that I mean would you consider yourself an influencer yeah I guess just because there's like a lack of a better word <laughs> a lot of times I'll say I do brand work with companies it's really fun I love it that's one of the things I enjoy most or not most but one of the things I for sure enjoy a lot of about my page is able you know to do that work with different brands and my background, my degree is in pharmacy, so it's very black and white and, and science driven. And, and the brand work I get to do on my page is, is kind of a creative outlet for me. So I, I really enjoy you know, planning photo shoots. And I, I was part of Pinterest when you had to like request to be part of Pinterest. I remember it was so weird. I was like, you have to like send in your email and they have to like approve you. This, you know, this is weird. And so I've always been a part of that platform. I've always loved different forms of expressing yourself, whether it's through art or fashion or poetry and words. And and so, yeah, the, the brand work is just a, it's a really fun creative outlet for me and, and I definitely enjoy it. And, and I'm thankful I get, I get to do it on my page. So you you said your degrees in pharmacy. Are you do you work as a pharmacist or in pharmacy also in addition to all this other work that you're doing? I do. So before I married my husband, I worked full time as a pharmacist, and since I'm lucky enough to to be able to just work part time. So we live outside of the community that my children go to school at. We're only about five miles outside of it, and so there is a small critical access hospital in town. So two days a week, um, I am a staff pharmacist at the hospital, and then the rest of the time I'm on the ranch with my husband and my kiddos. Do you also sleep? <laughs> <laughs> well, not right now because we just, we just had a newborn. So no, actually, I really don't. <laughs> I know. I saw a little little peek at your newborn. <laughs> Man, that yeah, is, you've got a real full plate. Yeah, it's fun though. I, I've always worked better, busier. You know, it's not, it's not a good thing. It's not probably not healthy, but I've always, that's just part of my personality. I, I do better probably with more on my plate than I do focusing on just one thing. <laughs> I feel that I work full time 
we run like a photography company, my fiance and I do. And then I was like, I'm going to also start another podcast. It's fun. I mean, I think it's really great that we're in today's age, we can do all these things, you know, that we want to do that we have a passion for and excitement for. And so I don't know, I guess I'm kind of just grateful to be able to do all these things right now while I can. I'm sure there's a time in my life when, when I won't be able to anymore. So got to hit the ground running, right? Yeah. And it helps when you're like passion, really passionate about like the cre- whatever creative thing you're doing, because then it doesn't feel as much like work. It feels much more like, oh, I'm so excited to go do this thing. It really is true. I mean, that quote is so old and redundant and almost cheesy but I I do I mean there's so much truth in it you know when you enjoy something you you're a lot more apt to to spend the time doing it and and a lot of the time it doesn't feel like work when you're doing it yeah I was talking to somebody a while ago I think it may have been my fiance but I don't think it was we were we were talking about how we both actually were like um I get the idea behind the the quote of like if you love what you do you'll never work a day in your life I don't I don't like subscribe to that because it's it's a lot of work like this podcast is a lot of work the photography business is a lot of work I just love doing it so it's like I don't I don't mind putting in the extra you know 40 or 50 hours a week doing those things on top of like my other job but it's still a lot of work (laughs) yes I completely agree though yep it's not easy um but anything worth you know I guess Anything you're really with, you know, passionate about is worth all that work. So, yes, definitely. On your website, I have it pulled up on my computer, so I'm gonna. Um, it says you have like super excellent social engagement, so three or four times above what the industry standard is. How do you get to that point with engagement, and like, how do you keep it consistent? I think there's a lot of different factors that play into that. Um, one is consistency. So I'm showing up all the time and sharing all the time. So, you know, people have access to 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 my stories and my page and something's going on. And obviously, the more content's there, the more people are going to be driven to it. I think that uh, people really enjoy my content because there are so many different people on my page and in my stories. I have my husband who's sharing a little bit more educational stuff. I mean, that's kind of just Luke's approach. He loves cattle and he loves the industry and it comes out for him in a, you know, a very edu. He just spews a lot of information that I think people <laughs> enjoy listening to or you know, <laughs> tune in for. You know, I know people tune in for my children because I share a lot about that. And then, you know, people obviously tune in just for myself. And, and I think I just show a lot of our family that people feel like, they know our family, you know, and they're a part of our family and they want to see what we're doing. And so I think just being really open and um, humor is a really big part of our family. And so I think people get a kick out of our page. You know, I'm not afraid to share embarrassing things I do, embarrassing things my husband do. You know, a lot of the time we're poking fun at each other. Our humor is a big part of our relationship. You know, him and I are laughing daily. It's one of the things I love most about our marriage. And so it, I think our page is a really good blend of, you know, education and entertainment and all the different things people want. And so when you have those things to share and then you're really comfortable and and willing to openly share them. And and I hate the word, but, you know, in an authentic or open way, I think it just draws people in. And so I think, you know, consistency, but also, you know, that content and just really being open with my audience and my community has has you know, created that engagement for me. And 
Um, like I said, I'm lucky enough that I, we have a lot of things going on around here and a lot of different people to showcase. And so um, I guess that's how I keep the consistency going is that I have a lot of different things to pull from. Um, you know, it's not just me trying to be on my stories. I can shoot my husband. I can shoot my teenager. I can shoot my toddler. I can shoot my newborn. I can shoot ranch stuff. I can shoot fashion stuff, you know, so there's just a lot of different things that make up my page. And so I think it it makes the consistency easy for me because it's not redundant. And I have, you know, I kind of have something new to pull from every single day. And do you do all the photography work that's on your page or most of it? No. So a lot of my page, I still kind of take that curated approach to Instagram. Um, I, I don't know. I just think there's something really beautiful about a lovely feed, you know, that's put together well. And I certainly don't think you have to have that to be successful on Instagram. I know a lot of people who don't, and they have, way more followers than I do and, you know, really great engagement and, you know, their photos are not professionally taken and it's not a curated feed. And um, so I don't believe that's the only way to have a presence online anymore or to successfully have a presence online anymore. But that's the approach I take. Like I said, I just, there's something really beautiful to me about a, a well laid out feed. And so a lot of my photos are actually professionally taken ones. And a lot of the brand work I do, I I work with a professional photographer so I can submit back those professionally done images to the brands. Okay. I was going to say that was actually something I noticed um, right away. Cause so I found, um, I found your page on, and it was definitely on Instagram and it was a post about, it was a post about podcasts. You'd like ask for podcast recommendations or you were sharing your favorite podcast or something yeah. like that. Um, and I listen, I've listened to several of them that were in that post or that were mentioned as comments and really enjoyed them. I noticed yeah. like right away that you had like this just beautiful, like cohesive, but comfortable and beautiful. It was just so pretty. And I was your, the, your feed. And I was just like, Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> Well, thank you. I appreciate that. It's always nice to to get a compliment. So thank you. I really appreciate that. You're welcome. (laughs) But is there anything else you wanted to share? Um, I don't think so. I'm comfortable talking about whatever you have. And if it flows into something else, that's great. And if, if not, if we just cover what you have, that's fine too. Okay. Um, okay. So this is like, the hard, usually the hardest question and I ask it to everybody but everyone's always like oh my gosh that's a hard one it's a good <laughs> it's good though it's kind okay. of like in your whole life like out of everything you've done work personal all of it what are you the most proud of that is a tough question I can see why people have a hard time answering it I I don't know if I could pick honestly pick just one thing I know you want me to I feel like my life limits are chapters all the time and so I'm, I'm really proud of my education I had my oldest son when I was younger, right out of high school. And so, you know, pharmacy school, I, I, I really take pride in my education and, and doing that with a, a young child. And and then I'm really proud of, you know, everything my husband and I have done on the ranch. You know, we're expanding a lot. Like I said, we're a first generation operation. So we're expanding a lot. And it's a lot of risk. I mean, it's a lot of hard work, but I, I don't know if that's why I'm proud of it. I think I'm proud of the fact that we're, you know, confident in each other and in our choices um, and willing to take a risk based off of our, you know, our intuitions. And and we just really believe in ourselves. And I think 
I think maybe that's what I'm most proud of when it comes to expanding our operation is the fact that we, you know, we're confident in who we are and what we're doing and what we're trying to build. And I think that that brings me a lot of pride that because it's not easy taking risks, especially in agriculture, when some of the risks are really big, you know, whether it's financially or something else, but they're not easy and, and they're, they could be life altering if you, you know, you make the wrong choice or kind of screw up along the way. And so, the, you know, the fact that we're building and growing and, and trying to do that makes me really proud. And so, I don't know. I mean, there's a few different things, but, you know, being a mother, I'm obviously always proud of. I think being a stay-at-home mom is one of the hardest jobs. And, and so I'm, you know, proud that I survive every day of a, being a stay-at-home mom when the day's done. <laughs> I'm proud we made it through another day. <laughs> yeah, I, that's like, my, that's always my favorite question to ask people because I love hearing like what everyone always says. And I feel like almost always it's people who talk about their family. It always makes me like super, super happy because a lot of people just kind of get married and they settle and they're just miserable with a lot of aspects of their life. So whenever someone's like, I'm really proud of what I've built with, you know, my spouse or my partner or whatever, I'm just like, oh, that makes me so happy. I agree. I think, um, I think, you know, just having a, like you kind of alluded to just having a good marriage is something to be proud of or you know relationships with your children and relationships are hard whether they're family relationships or friendships or you know what they are and yeah my husband and I we got married later in life and so I think we really you know knew what we were looking for and knew what was Im- important to each other and spouses and yeah I'm just I'm grateful to have his support and and to love someone as you know as much as I love him and have him love me in return and to be able to build something together how did you guys meet if you don't mind me asking. Oh, no. Um, he was actually up at my family ranch buying bulls. We have, so when you're in the registered operation, typically or usually you'll have a, like an annual sale. And so we have an annual bull sale every year to sell bulls. And so he was up buying a bull and he, he left with a wife. That's how we <laughs> met. <laughs> I love it. That's great. Yeah, it's, it's unique. It's, it's our little love story. I actually had the bull um, that he bought that year that we first met. I had it painted for him in a, a really large, it's a beautiful painting, but it's kind of like our love it's we call it our love bowl it's part of our love story so 4168 is he is painted and hanging up in our living room (laughs) and it probably doesn't get more ranchy than that people (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny but I love it that's such a that's such like a unique story and I love I love art I love and I love visual art and I think that all forms of art should be like displayed in large format I love that you had it like painted for him you know, I share your passion for love I have or passion for art I have a very strict rule that things in my house are not to be hung unless there's like meaning or you know something special behind them so actually a lot of the trips my husband and I like to travel a lot together and so that is the I don't buy a lot of things on the trip like keeps it you know keepsakes or things to bring home except for we do buy like one piece of art for wherever we travel from so that we can hang it in our home so a lot of the stuff hung up you know has a story or a memory associated with it because I, I kind of the same way I, I, I it's nothing I think better than a good piece of art I love so I collect shot glasses and so I have so many that like friends or like family members have brought back from trips and um, whenever Josiah and I go like on a road trip or a trip anywhere we're like okay we got to pick up a shot glass like from this city even if it's like Going yeah. back to yeah. visit, going back to visit my family in Los Angeles. I've been there a million times, but we try to like go somewhere that we haven't been and find like something. We brought back a shooter, uh, Hooter shot glass last time. Oh, that's funny. That's it's, fun too. Someone's gonna be like, "Wow, she, 
she drinks a lot. I know. <laughs> they're all, collection. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. You probably can't see them, but they're uh, up on the wall behind me. They're like back over there. Okay. If somebody wanted to build a brand the way that you have around like their family or their lifestyle, what would be like a piece of advice you would give to them as far as like when it comes to being on social media and like building a following? Sure. So I think I kind of actually talked about this in like one of my latest posts I just put out, but I think it's really important to understand why you're, you know, you're doing what you're doing or why you want to share or, um, even more so than what it is you're going to share. I mean, it's really easy for me to, to know that I'm sharing photos of ranch life and my family. It's not so much the what, it's kind of the why behind it. Like, why do I really want to share that? And, and it's almost a multi-level layer of whys to really get to like a very core reason for having a presence online because it is very time consuming. And obviously that's something I'd recommend. I'd recommend that you have to have consistency, um, you know, when you're posting and, and a bunch of those things that come down to like the analytical or the more business side of Instagram um, or social media in general. But um, I think the larger, most important thing, because all of it can get so daunting and time consuming and it can feel like sometimes you're living more online than offline. And, and if you don't have a true why or understand something, um, it's easy to give up on that or get lost. And I think the people who are most successful online really stay true to that core message of what's most important to them, of, you know, the real reason of why they're sharing what they're sharing. And they always operate from that place. And I think when you're operating from that place, you're going to put out content that's because it's a, probably a very, you know, personal, very emotional place to be. When you get to your true why, you know, it's full of a lot of emotions and, and it's very personal. And if you're always operating from that place, I think you're going to put out content that really engages with people and draws them in. And you're going to put out content that's creative. And you're going to, I mean, your content is going to be taken care of if you're always operating from a, a true place of why that, you know, carries importance to you. And so I think just really honing in on that. And like I said, it's easy to, to, to pick something superficial, like, oh, I want to share about the agriculture industry and kind of stop there. But that's not it. It's like, well, why do you want to share about the ag industry? Because it's important to me. Well, why is it important to you? Well, because I'm a fourth generation rancher's daughter. Well, why is that important to you? Well, because I, you know, I mean, it's just like continually basically asking why and why and why until you get to this very emotional spot that you realize like, aha, that's it. Like that, you know, is what I want people to feel or learn about when they come to my page. I guess that's my number one tip of advice. That's, you know, not like I said, a more business advice of consistency or hashtags or things like, you know, the the more you know techie part of running social media, the algorithm and, and all that stuff is just you know really understanding your why. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think that is super important. There is this TED Talk. It's called How Great Leaders Inspire Action, and basically. It's by Simon Sneak. I think it's how you say his last name. I don't know. And he basically says, like, he uses Apple as an example. And he says, you're not buying. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Yes, I watched this. Yes. <laughs> it's, my, it's my absolute favorite. You're not buying this cell phone from Apple. You're not buying this iPad from Apple. You're buying innovation. You're buying the message yeah. behind the product. And I think that the more time, like me personally, I'm a, I'm a millennial. I like to su- support small business and I like to know the people who I'm doing business with. I like to know that they're good people. I like to know they're community oriented people. 
I'll buy, I'll buy any, I'll buy stuff that I don't need from someone. If it's the right person, if I feel, if I like feel connected with them versus, you know, I can, I can get what I need from just about anywhere, but I would rather give my business to someone who I feel connected with. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like you said, people don't buy what you're selling. They buy why you're selling it. So you can always stay true to that. But yeah, I agree. I love that Ted talk. I actually, I watched it about it first time about a year ago. And then I use it as kind of a reference in any like public speaking and doing and stuff. Cause like you, I just thought it was really powerful. And, and obviously if one of the most, you know, major successful companies is talking about how that is a model that they use, you know, as an approach for their advertising or, you know, when it comes to employees or whatever it is, then there's obviously a little bit of substance and truth behind, you know, the power of, of operating, you know, your business or your business that way. I, it's, I, I love that TED talk. I, I think the first time I saw it, I was in <laughs> college. I was in a marketing class and I saw it and that was about, that was about 10 years ago. And I was like, oh, this is, this yeah, is I'm good. for the game then. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what year it came out now. I need to, okay. Yeah. It came out in 2010. So it came out 10 years ago and I probably saw yeah. it a year, maybe a year after that. Well, I appreciate you coming on where can people find you on social media or online so my Insta, we're on two platforms so we share on instagram and that is just my name it's natalie kavoric and then we share on youtube we've um taken a little bit of a hiatus from it or we're not as active on there because it, well i got really sick when i was pregnant and then um it's just been a lot harder to video full-length youtubes with the newborn and so but we're on youtube under the kavorics and then the platform we're on most frequently and consistently is um, Instagram. And that, like I said, that's my name, Natalie Kavori. And then we have, we do have a website um, and it's actually kind of co-website. So if anyone in the, you know, the ranching industry is interested, there's all of our cow-calf and register, you know, the whole operation of that on there. And then there's also my pages, you know, for personal things. So like working with me or my brand work and um, all of that. And you can find that at Kavoric Cattle co.com um, and our name is spelled k-o-v is in victor a-r-i-k i will and i'll link all three of those in the show notes i'm like looking at your bowls and they're like i'm like oh they're it's so weird to yeah. say that they're cute but they're like so cute <laughs> thank you so much for listening today if you enjoyed the episode please feel free to connect with me on social media it's at ranch collective podcast on facebook and instagram and subscribe to the podcast to get new episodes as soon as they're released. See you next week.